You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Manning loves it. Burris alone. Touchdown, New Back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Hey, how's it going, Grump? Um, I'm actually kind of glad this is Giants offseason with so much other things in my sporting life going on. Uh, I'm one win away from my bolts sweeping away yet again, you pathetic Islander fans out there. You know, I love you, but business is business. And tonight... For all you Yankee fans out there, be very afraid that the Rays finally called up Wander Franco in his, his major league debut. And it's someone I've been waiting for for a long time. You know, really excited to see somebody come up who really could be a game changer. And it kind of made me think, Grump, you know, thinking, you know, circling back to the Giants. Has there been a player for you in the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years that whether it was a draft pick or a free agent signing that you couldn't wait for the, the second he stepped on the field for the first time as a giant, like you, you had to be in your seat at the Meadowlands or you had to make sure you were at a bar that it was must-see TV for you. He's got to be a giant. He's got to be a giant. Yeah, yeah, someone from your team. I mean, like, you know, I don't know about you, but when someone majors coming up, you know, it's nice, but I don't care as much. You know, he's someone from my own team. But so, like this would have been, you know, I'm, I'm not going to feel like I'm not going to get to my TV for, you know, Trevor Lawrence's first appearance as a, a Jaguar. But, you know, but for a giant, who, who would that be for you? Well, I have two answers um, and they occurred at completely different times in my life, completely different knowledges of the game and just levels of excitement. Um, gotcha. They're both the same level of excitement, but they're different, right? Like when you're a kid, you get excited over all sorts of shit. And oh, yeah. So, I mean, and this one's an easy answer. Saquon Barkley. That's my adult life. I mean, and I can tell you very specifically. So, you know, Barkley was – you know I do all this pre-draft. You all know I do all this pre-draft uh, work on all these players. And Barkley is obviously somebody who was on one of my – preseason watch lists where it was just like I don't know was he a junior I'm not sure I think he was a junior when he left he's a junior yeah but I remember I I was like you know I'll do my work on this guy I gotta keep him on my radar but I'm pretty sure that we're not getting this dude and you know I'm watching you know the college season and the Giants fall apart at the same time and I'm still thinking to myself up until the very end of that year when it was clear the Giants were going to be in the top five I didn't think that they were even going to have a shot at Saquon Barkley, and he continued to play amazingly. I mean, like, he's just he's just a highlight reel, you know, at Penn State. And um, whatever, the Giants draft him, and um, the Cranky fan doesn't go to preseason games, so he gives the tickets to me. I brought my mother <laughs> because my mother had never been to a football game in her life. So she told me that she would like to go, didn't want to go to anything important. I was like, preseason's perfect. It's even warm weather. So we go. It's Barkley's first time as a giant. 
and we're fucking late. Because Cranky Fan will tell you, my family is notorious for being the last one to show up for everything because they're all so (laughs) slow. So we got there, and we're running through security to our seats. And by the way, the way MetLife Stadium is set up for anybody who has not been there, for like 80% of the stadium, there's no TVs. There's just there's just so many blind spots in that stadium that don't need to be. So for a for a supposedly you know modern, modern stadium yeah. that's to cost a billion dollars, you think there'd be more coverage of being able to see on the field at all times when you're in the uh, the hallways. Right. So I'm running to my seat as slowly as I can so that I can keep this you know four foot eleven woman with me. And I hear the crowd going fucking berserk, and I'm like, already? It's the first play. Well, Barkley took off on his first play against the Browns, a preseason game, and I missed it. But I was super stoked to see him. That's my real answer. When I was a little kid, I was really stoked for Hilliard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can say that, but, like, you know, I, I remember being really, really excited for Ike Hilliard. And, and that team, I finally felt like they were good you know, after suffering through years of them being god-awful, um, I remember being really excited for Ike Hilliard. But Giants, that I bet that was, like, generational player in the last 20 years? No, I don't think so. I mean, those are the only two that come to mind. And Hilliard's yeah. outside of the scope of that, I think, isn't he? He's not in the, He was in 2001? Was he drafted? He was drafted before. Ike Hilliard was 97. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was after the 96 National Championship. I mean, even, like, Eli, you know... Eli was the number one pick. He was, you know, kind of the consensus number one pick. But he wasn't a guy who was just like – it wasn't like getting Peyton or it no, wasn't getting yeah. someone or like even like Trevor Lawrence in, in, in today's game or something. Jesus Christ. Sorry, I'm I'm live watching my pathetic Rays about to lose their seventh game as we go through oh, this. Don't but... be whiny. Pathetic first-place Rays or second-place yeah, No, right? second, yeah, and you know, falling like an anvil like, you know, when someone falls in a Bugs Bunny cartoon. I mean, I just cannot believe the way the many ways you're trying to lose this game and they've done it over the last week, but no one cares about that. Um, yeah, I mean, Eli was like, okay, you know, is he really going to be a generational guy? Is he a guy you're going to, you know, want to see what he does? Not exactly that same type of thing. So, I mean, obviously I have my biases for I kill you for someone like that. Um, but there really hasn't been. You know, the Giants can be kind of fortunate for that, that they didn't have, like, a number one overall pick, and it's like, you know, Andrew Luck is coming, or someone is just an amazing talent that you can't wait. I mean, Barkley, I mean, you don't want to say he fell into our lap when, you know, history may go down and prove that we kind of reached for him, possibly. Um, But, no, I've never had that giant that's maybe say, oh, you know, if – we didn't draft like a LeBron James or we didn't get a, a guy like a, uh, you know, a Wayne Gretzky or something coming to us. So, you know, hopefully we'll never in that position again where we're so pathetic that we're getting a, an opportunity to get the first pick. Um, but I don't know. It's just something that just as I'm thinking about tonight's one of those nights for me as a sports fan that always curious what it's like for other, you know, our other teams. Yeah, and speaking of Eli, um, Eli's in the news this week, and anytime Eli's in the news, the Hall of Fame debate comes up. Not going to touch that. Don't care. Um, but Eli has announced there, – there were several announcements that he's returning to the team in a capacity that's like a fan engagement thing. I mean, 
I feel like the last year, him getting a Twitter account and just being involved in things, you can see he's he's a fun dude. You know, I feel like Eli is a good dude to hang out with, and you know, he's he's known for his little pranks. He's oh, he killed it on Saturday Night Live. Um, he he is perfect for that, and that's really his role is to just kind of be, I, I guess, like a weird way, just like a cheerleader, right? I guess. I mean, it's like you don't care about the Hall of Fame thing. I, I Very honestly, when these guys get these roles, it's who cares for me. I mean, you know, it's nice that he's staying with the team. It doesn't really – it does nothing really for me as far as, you know, morale boosting or something. I mean, it's nice that it's nice that the Giants and all teams, you know, they remember their past and they, re- and they reward their past and they keep those. But, you know, whatever his job is, you know, Good for him. It doesn't really do much for me. I think um, I'm more interested in the kind of the secondary part of this when they finally talked about the, um, you know, getting his number retired, which is something that's certainly deserving. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to say that I don't care about him going to the Hall of Fame. I, I just don't feel like having that debate. You know, I've, I've had that debate at least 100 times. I'm done. You know, I, I've said everything I'm going to say, so... Um, but yeah, like you said, so in the, in the same announcement, basically they said that, and this was supposed to happen, um, last year, but he's being inducted into the Giants' Ring of Honor in the stadium, and his number is being retired. So this is kind of interesting for me because, um, I do belong. I, I do believe, without a shadow of doubt, he belongs in the Giants' Ring of Honor. Do we agree on that? There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. The number retiring thing I'm not as keen on, and before any of you get up in your arms, just just give me a second here. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. You know, I, I, I just I am way more hesitant about retiring numbers in any sport, but especially football because numbers mean something. They are not just numbers. They they there are rules in, involved for position well, not, and whatever. Well, not anymore. They're they still got rid of that. no. They did not get rid of it. They relaxed them. There are certain positions that can be used, the utility numbers from 1 to 20, but uh, offensive linemen are not eligible for that because your eligibility, your numbers are eligibility for an eligible receiver. That 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 is still an intact rule. All right, that's fine, but it, it's, it's not as nearly as important as it used to be, okay. and eventually it'll go away. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. I don't – I mean you'd have to – now you're changing like – in-game rules when you get rid of the entire thing but that's fine I, i'm not i'm not saying we need to stick to that but in general i grew up in a house of yankee fans and the yankees have about six fucking numbers left because it's so important that everybody who's a fan darling gets their number retired and once you start that once you start lowering that standard there's you can only keep lowering it. You can't raise it back up again because then you start having the Joe Namath debate. Should Joe Namath be in the fucking uh, Hall of Fame? If you look at his stats, they're trash. Um, but y- you can't just keep lowering that bar. And the Giants have a ton of numbers already retired. 1, 4, 7, 11, 14 twice, 16, 32, 40, 42, 50, and 56. That's... That's a hefty amount, and now you're adding 10 to it. Now, I'm not saying that they shouldn't, but I am saying, for me, that's not a shoe-in decision. I, I, 
that's something I grapple with a little bit. And I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about retiring numbers. To me, those are for, like, Lawrence Taylor, when they have the best NFL players of all time, of any position, and Lawrence Taylor is at least in the top five every single time, that's a player that you can safely retire a number. When somebody has changed the game like Charlie Connerly, another, you know, uh, giant who's got their number retired, fine, I get it. Eli Manning won two Super Bowls. He's important to the Giants. He's not... He's Lawrence Taylor is the best quarterback the Giants have ever had, and I am the biggest Phil Simms fan there is. I didn't see Wade Tittle. I didn't see these guys from you know the fifties and sixties. Did you say Lawrence Taylor is the best quarterback they've ever had? I said Eli Manning is Eli Manning is the best quarterback the Giants have ever had. Okay. Lawrence Taylor's third best. <laughs> he's he's better than Dave Brown. I think we can all admit that. Oh my god! Say that name <laughs> to me. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, there there's there's I don't think there's really any debate about what his standing is. He won. He was the MVP of two Super Bowls on two teams that will not go down in history as, you know, two of the twenty-five best Super Bowl-winning teams of all time. Uh, you know, he played. He's a guy. Let's, let's go back to the beginning. Demanded a trade to go to the Giants. He wanted to be here. You know, he stayed the, in, the entire time for his career. You know, never. You know, never a controversy. Never a holdout. Uh, never an injury, you know, and, and the most controversial thing that probably happened was the time he got benched, you know, because of, uh, of Ben McAdoo, which was just, you know, you know, just complete incompetence. And he took it like a man. He was involved in that equipment scandal. Oh, big deal. Well, I mean, it, it eventually <laughs> went nothing for him. And, but like, you know, somebody got fired. Mm-hmm. Joe Skiba got fired. So, I mean... It's kind of hard to tell, you know, if you've ever read like the emails that were sent, it I have to admit that it does kind of seem like he sort of knew that there were some bullshit like replicas being sold under the guise of it. I don't fucking know, man. I I don't I'm just saying there was some level of controversy with him. Very very minor though. Please, as far as I mean, if we want to talk controversy, Lawrence Taylor enough said. And, you know, he's in the quote-unquote ring of honor. I mean, that's hardly a guy who has any honor in my book. Great player, but, you know, he's, he's you know, on the food chain of dishonorable people, he's one step below O.J. Simpson for honor. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think, you know, for what he did to this, for this, for, for this team, for how long he did, I, I think it's, it's a no-brainer. No brainer. I think I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. You know, we've we've debated that before, but for individual for this team, it shouldn't even be a second thought. Well, then, I mean, I look. I, this is not even we're talking about Eli, but for me, I'm barely even talking about Eli. I love Eli Manning. Um, you know, I have his fucking jersey. You know, I I I am I am. So st- this is now my most anticipated game to go to. That's not a division game for this year. I, I this is really cool. It's somebody who I've watched the entire career of, um, and it's a long career. So it's you know this is a big deal to see the start and finish of an of an era, and this is the way it ends is 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 perfect, and that's fine. What I'm I, just in general retiring numbers is a very touchy thing for me, and I don't like doing it. Um, 
in general, but especially football. So, you know, once they, it just seems very quick, and I just, ugh, I don't know. That's all. That's all. I, I, I Eli is is amazing, and what he did for the, he is the face of this organization for forever, right? And it's partly because he was very squeaky clean. If Lawrence Taylor were squeaky clean, he would be the face of this organization for forever. Sure. I mean, it's amazing that Lawrence Taylor has as much of a public face on this team as he does. That's I mean, true. He, he comes out, you know, when, when 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 Phil Sims had his retirement thing, that Monday night game or you know, that primetime game, Lawrence Taylor was out there. They trot him out when it's, you know, anniversaries of teams and things. I mean, he's an embarrassment, Lawrence Taylor. I mean, we're talking about he was caught with an underage hooker. I mean, like really, yeah. really bad shit. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm sure there's worse than that that we don't even know about. In any case, that makes week three at home against the Falcons probably going to be one of the coolest games that I've I've ever been to, I would say, for football. Um, we were there for his last game against Miami. We ran into the Marlin guy. That's pretty awesome. Marlin man was there. We got a picture <laughs> with him. That was awesome. I think that was cool. I did not expect to run into him. That was the playoff game? It wasn't a playoff game. The Miami game from his his last ever start. That's right. That's right. That's right. That yeah. Was from two years ago. That's um, correct. That was awesome. Um, and uh, now we get to see his jersey retired, his name be unveiled in the Ring of Honor. That's it's it's cool as hell, and I'm I'm excited for it because honestly, you and I just dick around during halftime. There's fucking nothing to do. Well, let me let me say something. Grump. Let's go back. We're talking about the Ring of Honor. You know, if we're saying for all timers, you know, we put in some guys in the Ring of Honor in the last ten years or so. Um, do you have the list in front of you by any chance? No, I'm going to look it up, though. Yeah. Guys with like, retired numbers in Ring of Honor, you know, sometimes they're brought in because someone passes away or something, too. So, you know, that happens with, with, with retired numbers a lot. Yo, so yeah, for, definitely. Went yeah. through that list of some names we've never heard of. It's possible, you know, they may have died in World War II or something So yes, to, to earn I that. Believed, I believe that's true for Tuffy Lehman's. I believe he died in World War II. Somebody I knew I know for a fact somebody died in World War II or, or something like that, um, but there's a lot of owners in here: Tim Mara, Wellington Mara, Jack Mara, Bob Tisch, George Young, uh, and then you get into the players: Steve Owen, Jim Lee Howell, Bill Parcells, Charlie Connerly, Y.A. Tittle, Phil Sims, Tuffy Lehman, Frank Gifford, Joe Morrison. Now we start getting into guys where it's like, hmm, Tiki Barber. Tiki Barber is not a Ring of Honor guy. Tiki Barber. If you want to go by the definition of the word honor, absolutely lost it when he badmouthed his team on his way out the door to try to have anybody have the slightest bit of interest in his broadcasting career. He's not he's not worthy of the, of the ring of honor on that alone. And, you know, he had a great couple of years, but not worthy of the, the ring of honor level. Yeah, I, I agree. And not only that kind of retired at the height of his career in terms of skill, wouldn't you say? He's getting better as I mean, he went that, along. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ken Strong. Amani Toomer? Amani Toomer should not be in the Ring of Honor. Yeah, that one's iffy for me. Um, it's kind of like it's kind of like what the the Yankees have done. To go back to your point about the Yankees retiring so many numbers, it's almost like if they're part of that group, yeah, like Bernie or, Williams and Derek G. That that group, if they were part of that group, then they're fucking in there. I mean, it's I just, I get it. You know, the Giants saw it every game. You know, but you know, sometimes you're not playing well. They may not all show up. And things like that are just like, to me, 
you know, because he's a familiar guy and he has there's some recency bias that fans remember the good times. So let's have a date oh for him. Oh my god, like Michael Strahan, for instance. Yeah, I mean, even Strahan. I mean, is Strahan an all-time great giant? I would say so. All-time great so. one? I mean, yeah, I mean, he's got a much he, better I, case. I, on the lower end, but and it's, it has nothing to do with his... A much greater person. case. A much greater case than Amani Toomer. But is he... Yes. Well, let's do it this way. You know, there's different levels. You know, like at the Yankees, they have, you know, number retired, plaque, monument. Like, monument is the absolute oh, God. best. Uh, okay. But, like... Is Michael Strahan retired number worthy as opposed to just Ring of Honor? He's Ring of Honor. He's not retired number. I, I agree. I agree. Um, you know, he didn't change anything, but he was he was a dominant player for the pretty much the entirety that he played the, here. I mean, he has a fucking single season sack record. I mean, I know that's not really a big deal, but that's it's not nothing. It hasn't still hasn't been beaten. So I mean, uh, you know, it's it's something. Uh, I think he's a Ring of Honor guy, but he's still on the lower end. You know, um, Mel Hine, Al Bozis. I don't know anything about Al Bozis. He only played for two years, so he might have died in World War II, 1942 to 1944. Do you know anything about this guy? The, 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 for playing for the team for two years, I'd never heard of him, and that's right around World War II. That sounds like most likely the case. Yeah. Um, Rosie Brown. Um, that's an interesting – I don't know that Rosie Brown really belongs in there. Um, Andy Robustelli, George Martin, Michael Strahan, Sam Huff, Harry Carson, Lawrence Taylor, Jesse Armstead. I don't think that's another one. That's again, I think people kind of remember, you know, he was, I wouldn't say he was even a, a, like a better player at Miami than he was. Yeah. I mean, he was, he's kind of like a Rodney Hampton was like the best player in a bad time. You know, just yeah, mm-hmm. you know, a Don Mattingly type of guy, where you know, best player yeah. in a time, but you remember him. It's a lot of people's formative years, so you remember him and you have this fond appreciation for him. So, hey man, those those are my years, ninety three to two thousand one, and I I remember liking him, but I still remember that if he were any better, they would have been a little bit better. He was he was he was good. He was he was a guy you had to game plan for, but that was about it. Ninety three to two thousand one, they were. You know, average, averagely mediocre is what they were. I mean, they they, 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 they did best. Go, yeah, then they did go to the Super Bowl at the end. But you know, that's just to kind of sniff the playoffs every once in a while, and you know, underachieve at some points, and just not that good. Yeah, Dick Lynch. I don't know anything about him, so I can't. Oh, Dick Lynch. Inland. Dick Lynch was a really good safety, and he was the, the radio guy for you know forty years. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. Strahan um, with the tackle. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. Can't get his name Mr. right. Mr. Molly Malaprops. He was great. Uh, Emlyn Tunnell. Pete Gogolak. Gogolak. Alex Webster. Alex Webster. Mark Bavaro. Mark Bavaro? Um, yeah. Mark Bavaro belongs on that list. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I would say so. Brad Van Pelt. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was really good. Carl Banks. Mm-hmm. Dave Jennings. A punter? I don't know anything about that. He must have done something. Uh, this is this is this is where I throw the disclaimer in for the show that Grump is a lot younger than me. So <laughs> no, I mean, Dave Jennings was he, he, Dave Jennings. He's still just a punter, though. I mean, there... and, and also because he was the radio guy for a while with the Jets, especially, and with the Giants, he kind of he's got a little bit of the Phil Rizzuto syndrome, where 
you know him for so long that you maybe tend to have him in a little higher esteem for what he actually You think did. of him more favorably yeah. for his playing days than yeah. actually. Chris Snee. Look, Chris Snee was a really good guard. Um, Ring of Honor? Or is that just... I don't know. I don't think Chris Snee belongs there. OCU Minora? No. I mean, that's one for me that it's just like, I have a very high opinion of him, but... Even I have to be like, I don't know that OC belongs in there. Uh, John Johnson was a trainer for like 100 million years. I remember that. They, they showed him at the 2007 Super Bowl on the sidelines. He's been the, the, the head trainer since 1948. Um, Jack Loomis, Tom Coughlin, Ernie Accorsi, Justin Tuck. Huh. Any other names you want to you wanna debate Tuck? I mean, again, guys like Tuck... Guys like Armstead, they're all stars. They're not immortals. Hmm. I think I think Tuck is a little bit. I mean, Tuck won two Super Bowls. Uh, I think you can make a strong case that Tuck should have had the Super Bowl MVP of the first Super Bowl of the 2007 Super Bowl. No. If it weren't for if if you know if Eli had just moved the ball down the field in that in that Super Bowl and you know they ran the ball a little bit and they scored a touchdown. I think Justin Tuck gets that Super Bowl MVP. Um, possibly, but you know, I mean, you really got to think about like what Manning did in that game. If it's not for that drive at the end, then <laughs> well, that was kind of it. I mean, that's what we, I, I get. That's it. Right, I, do, I get That it. makes you the most valuable. He, you know, he but, made but that some game huge was throws. Close. Yeah, that game was close because of the defense, and Justin Tuck was a goddamn animal in that game. You know, it, it, that Super Bowl came down to one or two plays. I mean, if you remember that third down when uh, you know my uh, New England was down after after the last touchdown, Brady hits that pass. You know, we we history is rewritten. He's the MVP oh, yeah. for making you know in a game where there, like, one or two plays can change the outcome of the game. Manning made the plays, and that's that's. That's all it takes to be an MVP in a game like that. Yeah. I, I, I guess my point is just that I, I think Justin Tuck has more credit than Jesse Armstead, in my opinion. I think he has more than O.C. Humaniora. I think he has more than Chris Snee. I think I think he, I wouldn't be pounding the table to say we got to put him in there, but I'm also not kicking him out once he's in. You know, I, I'm okay with him being there. Mm-hmm. Probably wouldn't be fighting to put him in. Though. My rule of thumb always is, and whether it's the Hall of Fame or even like the All Star Game, if I have to think about it, you're out. I am a I'm a strict grader. I think it should be for the best of the best. I think there is a a huge difference between being an All Star and being a Hall of Famer. And I kind of equate rings of honors and retired numbers with the Hall of Fame. To me, it's like if I have to think if if there's someone in you know 80 years from now. You know, and, you know, some my great grandchild is going with my grandson to a game and he says, Dad, who is, you know, I don't know, who's Jesse Armstead? And if my grandson doesn't know who it is, that's not a ring of honor guy. I mean, again, big asterisk for people that, you know, passed in combat. I mean, they deserve to be on there. And quite frankly, it's all of our fault for not knowing who those guys are. But. If it's just a player that played for, you know, seven or eight, nine years, had a good career, but probably is going to be forgotten in history, that person is not a Ring of Honor person. I'm, I'm sorry. And I think 
you know, someone like, you know, Jesse Armstead is going to fall in that category. I'll say it like this. When we go on road trips, we always walk around and we, 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 we judge the city. We judge the people. We judge the fans of the team. And we judge the stadium. <clears throat> and part of judging that stadium is we make fun of their ring of honor people. So it's only fair that we do it to our own. Um, and there, there are some guys that don't belong, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I, we, we had a whole thing about, um, well, I mean, first of all, we can always make fun of Philadelphia for hanging their division-winning banners in the state. No, <laughs> I, losers. I think, see, again, I think that if you win a division, you, deserve, you should celebrate it. You should celebrate championships. And to me, a division is a championship. I mean, you're playing, you're playing your biggest rivals. You're playing them twice. That's an accomplishment to win your division. And if you think it's no big deal, when's the last time somebody repeated division in our own division? It's been a long time, even in the Bucks division in the South. I mean, it's not easy to win divisions. I, I think it's something to – now, I make fun of, and I'll be the first to admit it, my, my own baseball team has banners for wild card appearances. That's embarrassing. That is, that is trying to create a history when you have no history. So that I'll make fun of all day, but – you win a division, I think that's something special. That's kind of what – that's goal number one. The goal number one is to win your division. Then your second goal is to go in the playoffs, go do something in the playoffs, and win a Super Bowl. But it's, 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 it's a measurable goal that you have to earn, and it's not arbitrary. You know, It's something you earn. I guess. I'm going to make fun of it anyway. Watch me do it. Um, I, I, I wholeheartedly disagree with that because somebody wins a division every year, which means uh, it means somebody's hanging a fucking banner every year. So I, I do think it's something to celebrate, yes. but hanging it, it, hanging it happened, a banner is immortalizing. It happens every year. It's all the Super Bowl champion. They raise a banner every year. Yes, but that's one of 32 teams, not one of four. Do you know what I mean? Like somebody, somebody has to win – Like. Is Washington hanging a division-winning banner for last year? Because that's pathetic. Well, they still won it. I mean, it's... it's, yeah, it's exactly. It's, it's still... Celebrate it, pat yourself on the back, talk about it all you want. But once you make it a banner and hang it up, you're immortalizing it. Or you're at least attempting to. And that's not something worth immortalizing. No, they won Conference the, championships. They won the division. And I mean, that's what... Good, I mean, good for them. I'll give them a high five. I mean, you know, if we could have a, 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 a bigger debate on whether do we need to have divisions... Or do we just have, you know, the best six teams in the conference play, you know, make the playoffs regardless of, I mean, they're just arbitrarily made anyway, the divisions. I mean, there's no rhyme or reason why, you know. Why Dallas is in our division and shouldn't be there. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, they're just kind of made up things. Yeah. Well, you know what? We'll save that. I want to talk about that because I, I, I'm for restructuring divisions. Um, but whatever, we'll talk about that another day this summer because we got you know we have a lot of time. We're we're, we're, we're you running. You can tell already because... we are we are scraping the bottom of the barrel as it is right now. <laughs> no, nah, not really. I mean, this stuff is news and yeah, we can fun. just chat. So, mm -hmm. um, but we are in the last five games of our season preview, so we're gonna jump into that. Um, if you guys didn't listen before and don't want to, you're crazy. But if you didn't listen before, <laughs> we are on week fourteen. Um, I have the Giants as a tentative seven and five, and so does the Cranky fan. Different games won and lost, but we arrive at the same record at the same time. Week fourteen, the Giants will be 
at the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday at 4.05. Cranky Van, how do you feel about going to Los Angeles to play the Chargers? You know, I think we've done a pretty good job this year of, you know, sprinkling in when we think we're going to have those turds and we're going to have those unexpected wins. You know, I, I think somebody on Twitter was flabbergasted that you picked us to lose to Oakland, uh, so the, the, to Vegas now. And it's just like, hey, there's always that turd in the fishbowl every year. And that was your guess when it would be. Well, I'm going to say the opposite of the turd of the fishbowl is, I don't know, roses in the fishbowl. I have a feeling this game is that roses in the fishbowl game. I think we go out to, to L.A. It's, it's uh, you know, our first time in, in that new stadium, which, you know, I, I wish it wasn't in December because I, that's a possible road trip for us. I feel a sneaking a, a win out of this for some reason. You know, I, I kind of have the same vibe about this that I did about Seattle last year, where it seems like, you know, going out there, West Coast, you know, it doesn't seem like a chance we're going to win, but that's the game we pull out when you don't expect it. I think this is that game for us on the schedule this year where, you know, if we're seven and five, like we think we are, and we win this game, all of a sudden we're eight and five. And then the, that puts the real momentum push to the final, you know, stretch going into the playoffs. I, I, I feel like we, we steal a win when this is a game. If you look like, you know, for gambling, like the whole world has the chargers. Uh, but, I think this is one we steal. This is our steal of the year, and when we win it, I'll put it a win in pencil. You know, it's really funny that you have this as the roses in the fishbowl game. I have this as another turd game. Um, <laughs> but I don't, you know what? I'm going to be completely honest here. I think the Chargers are a good team. I find it genuinely surprising that the Chargers were as terrible as last year as they were. It is incredible that apparently, and I didn't watch them super closely. Um, I've, I watched a couple games of theirs, and you know the consensus opinion is the head coach was so bad that actually it is hard to believe that there's a head coach out there that is so bad that it has held back this team that much. Keenan Allen might be the best route runner in the league, and is somehow not talked about enough. And it's been that way. Justin Herbert, you know, we saw in his rookie year, he can definitely sling it. He's a young kid. He's got a lot to work on. He he played at Oregon. You know, um, now he's in the pros. He showed that he can do it. He's got to keep learning, but he showed enough, I think, as a rookie to show me that he's he can be a real problem in the future. You know, as he continues to develop, um, and now he's going to get a whole fucking off season. You know, for real. You know what he did last year. He did with with a COVID year. So, you know, there's that too. On top of that. Um, the offensive line sports three big-time players. Corey Lindsley, Rayshon Slater they just drafted, and Brian Bulaga. I know Patrick Graham is going to try and confuse a young quarterback, and he might be you know, successfully force some mistakes and whatever, but ultimately I think this offense is going to be able to move the ball all year long. I, I, I don't think that... You know, I think that they are... If it weren't for the Chiefs, I would feel very comfortable picking Los Angeles to be the AFC West champs. Um... On the flip side, Ellie doesn't have much in the way of a secondary. I personally think Chris Harris, you know, he's really good, but I think at this point in his career, he's probably a little overrated. 
Derwin James is somebody I was really excited coming out of college. He was injured last year or whatever. He, he didn't play last year. Lost the whole year of development. I really like Nasir Adderley as well, if you guys listen to our pre-draft stuff from that year. Um, but really, for them, it's the front seven. seven. Jerry Tillery, Linville Joseph, Joey Bosa, Kenneth Murray, Chris Rumpf, Kyler Fackrell. Loads of talent, loads of depth going against... What is probably, at least at this stage, it's pretty easy to say the weakest part of the Giants team is that offensive line. You know, they could have developed at this point. They might have, you know, who knows what Matt Parrott is going to be. Will Hernandez moving to right guard. Who knows what any of that's going to be. Right now, I say it's not going to be very good, and I think that's a fair assumption. Going up against that group is going to be tough. So I'm, you add in the fact that this is a December game, you're flying to Los Angeles and playing there. I have this as a loss in pen. I feel very not good about this game. I think, uh, you know, if you were just matching up us versus the Chargers, you, you know, compare 53s and first 53s, they're better than us. Yes. I Again, I just had this as one of those kind of time for momentum and just kind of where we are in the schedule wins and pencils. And, you know, maybe I'm too much of the – too much of factoring in things like momentum and, you know – when is that game where we are turd versus we're playing like roses? But I just feel like this is just going to be a win. And uh, that's what makes the NFL so great is a little bit of the unpredictableness of it. And um, I just, I'm going to stick with my win in pencil. I have no logical reason for it. I just think they're going to win it. Hey, man, you don't need one. You can just say gut feeling. Um, with that, we move to week 15, hosting Dallas on Sunday at 1 o'clock in December. Oh, Cranky Fan, how do you feel about Dallas at home in December? This is a win in pen. I think, I think we're better than Dallas. And I think, you know, after that win that I think we're going to get in L.A., I think there's going to be a lot of confidence on this team. They're going to smell the playoffs, not as a playoff a team in the playoffs, but as an actual playoff team. I think that this was last year. This would be just... You know, the inconsistency would be there, but I think this team would be more consistent and actually playing well. I think by this time, Daniel Jones, I think it's going to be a completely different Daniel Jones we're seeing, you know, in week 15 than we, you know, thought about him in the offseason or beginning of the year. I think this team is really starting to roll. Um, I don't know about Dak Prescott. I think we mentioned this the first time we played them. That I just wasn't sure when, what we're going to see from them. And I still have my, my doubts that he's going to be all the way back. I'm going to factor that into this. You know, it's going to be, you know, it could be cold. I think there'll be a lot of Giant fans in the building, you know, more so than a normal Dallas Giant game because of, you know, how the season's going. I think this is a win in pen. I also think that this game might get flexed to, to primetime as well. But I, I think this is, uh, hey, you know, something else, Grump. This is a uh, family party weekend. We may have to miss the party for this. Oh shit! Yeah, so for all of our uh, all of our cousins and aunts and uncles out there, we may have to send some cardboard uh, pictures of uh, Grump and myself to the party because we're going to probably have to be the metal ants for this. If they flex it, that's a different story. But I think that this just is, means we have to leave the party early. That's exactly true. <laughs> um, this is a fucking win in pen. I I feel. I look. I went over the X's and O's, the 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 depth chart matchup of the first match in this. Forget all that. They lose to the Chargers, and they know that their playoff spot is in jeopardy. They're home. They're playing a division rival. 
I think Dallas is a good team. I don't think that they're better than us. I think it's close. Um, and I think Mike McCarthy is a shitty coach. And I honestly wonder how long of a leash he's going to get from Jerry Reese. You know, we think of Mike McCarthy as this... Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I think of Mike McCarthy as probably the most accomplished head coach that Dallas has had in a long time. Just looking at resume, right? I mean... Probably since Parcells. That's what I'm thinking, right? Because after that is Wade Phillips and Jason Garrett. Who... who Parcells, no, uh, then... also, what's his name? Uh, wasn't Campo on that list? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but but none of those guys were particularly accomplished. I mean, Mike McCarthy has a Super Bowl win in his belt. You know, I wonder how much... I still think he's a shitty head coach, personally. Um, I think the league has caught up to him. I think a lot of it was Aaron Rodgers um, just being good. And not for nothing, but even with Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay is sort of underachieved when in the playoffs. I mean, really, I've only been to the dance fucking once? Once. Yeah. So, I mean... He was he was coach for once, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I just wonder how much, how much that means to uh, Jerry Jones... Uh, anyway, in any case, this is this is a backs against the wall game. It's a division game. I I like our matchup here. I agree with you about Dak Prescott. I don't think Mike McCarthy's a I think he's a stubborn coach who is. This is how the offense works, and this is how it's gonna be. This is my system. Never mind. I had one of the best quarterbacks of my generation to kind of run that offense for me. So I think it's. I think I'm above you know the players that I have. Yeah, and I know that he's not the offensive coordinator, and what's his face is still calling the plays and whatever. I'm just, I'm just telling you what I think, and uh, I think that he has some pull in what he wants and doesn't want in that offense. And uh, I think as that team falls apart, I think he has more and more pull in telling him what he wants and what he doesn't want, and I think that makes it worse. Um, fuck this team. Uh, this is a bad time for Dallas to be playing in New Jersey. And uh, I have this as a win in pen. I, I care nothing for Dallas in this matchup. So then we move to week 16 at Philly, Sunday, 1 o'clock, Cranky Fan. Day after Christmas, Boxing Day. Boxer Day? Boxing Day. It's Boxing Day, yeah. Philly, we've already discussed, is might be the worst team in the league this year. And... In week 16, they probably will be the worst team in the league. You know, this could be a long, brutal year from them. And, you know, they can they can sniff the end of the year and, and getting ready for, you know, the offseason. I think the momentum we've had in those last two weeks, there's absolutely no reason this shouldn't be a win in pen. Barring, you know, a major set of injuries or extraordinary set of circumstances. Um, I expect the link to be three quarters filled. And of those three quarters, 40% Giant fans, I think we go in there and I think we beat the shit out of them. I think this is a team that's really circled this date more than any other time with uh, with Philly because this is the one they know they can go out and they can put their foot right in their ass. You know, they, they know they're going to be, you know, they're going to be down. They're going to be awful. And this is when you when you really want payback. And I believe me nobody's forgotten last year what happened and um i think they go and they think they beat the shit out of them so i'm putting this in a very heavy sharpie pen win 
I don't like playing in Philly, and I don't like playing in Philly late. But this is a win. This team, Philly might be all the way out of it at this point. I'm talking beyond what they were out of it last year. Um, I mean, it's one thing to be out of it like they were last year and still know what you have in Carson Wentz. And I don't care. Any Philly fan can argue that Carson Wentz is garbage to me all they want. Carson Wentz is not a bad quarterback. He had no talent, no offensive line, and he has bad stats because he was trying to do everything himself. It's the same bullshit that Eli had for a, a number of years. Bad stats because he's trying to do everything himself because there's no talent around him. Um, they are markedly worse without Carson Wentz right now. It's no question in my mind. Um, and it's different when you have Jalen Hurts at quarterback and you're just as bad as you were last year. That is that is definitely worse than being as bad as you were with Carson Wentz and a bunch of guys hurt. A, bun- a bunch of guys healthy and Jalen Hurts... You know, your, your new young quarterback being terrible with, with healthy pieces and, and a, whatever. It's, that's, that's awful. Are we sure he's a quarterback in week? Uh... No, I'm not. But if he's not, then they have even more questions. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, it might be just a whole other set of uh, circumstances that we're even dealing with that makes him even worse than we think they might be. Yeah, th- th- uh, this game is a fucking win. And here's what I want. I expect a win in this game. Here's what I want. I want Giants fans in the fucking seat. I want to hear Giants chants on TV. I'm not going to that game because I hate that city. Um, maybe I will. I want, you know what? I don't want to rule that out in June. But I don't think I'm going to that game. Um, but I, I want to hear Giants fans on TV when I rewatch the broadcast then. That's what I truly want. Um, I have this as a win in pen. Fuck Philadelphia. Week 17 at Chicago. This one has some real implications. Sunday, 1 o'clock game in Chicago. Tell me how you feel, Cranky Fan. Well, first of all, this is a game you can put in pen that uh, Grump and I will be attending. You know, this is uh, Chicago, one of our favorite cities. A good road trip. Be nice and cold. But this is major implications on two accords. I mean, as we continue our march to the playoffs. And also, you know, we... uh, we have their first round draft pick and the team I'll be watching the most this year, besides obviously the giants and NFC East, you know, division rivals we have will be Chicago. I'll be getting extra use out of my Sunday ticket to watch them and hopefully watch them lose on a very regular basis. Um, I would guess by this point, Justin Fields is the quarterback, whatever experiment they're going to have before to, Bring him along slowly. That will that will wipe away pretty quickly. Um, so you might see some impressive play out of him, but you'll see inconsistency, and you will see him struggle. And I think we'll be the beneficiaries of that in that late season, you know, struggling. And um, I got this as another win. I got this as a win in pencil. I mean, you know, why I, my theme has been that they're more consistent. There's still potential for you know losing a game they shouldn't lose late in the year and that's the NFL, but I think we're gonna come out of there with a win. And I also this is another game that has the potential for being flexed just because if just if Justin Fields does start playing and starts playing well, even if the Bears aren't very good, he could definitely be one of those guys that could be a top five, you know, jerseys uh selling guy. And they may be wanting to uh, you know, 
And also, if the Giants are good, too, that makes us more marketable also. So I wouldn't be shocked if this one gets flexed. Um, it'd be surprising, but not shocking. But I, I see this as a win in pencil for me. Well, on the one hand, Chicago might be completely out of it at this point. They might also be without a coach. I mean, who knows? But on the other hand, we might be seeing an interim coach, a team with nothing to lose, and, and Justin Fields at the helm now. You know, I, I agree with you that I don't know that he's getting the right-of-way snaps. I think it's going to be Andy Dalton, whatever. But um, the Giants could take this game too lightly. But I say they're on a roll now after after beating Dallas and beating Philly. They're separating themselves in the division. And they are not ready to stumble over a Bears team heading straight into rebuild mode. Allen Robinson stands tall among fellow wide receivers Anthony Miller and Riley Ridley. And I think Fields takes... Once Fields takes over, that's scarier than a lot of people are giving them credit for. Um, but the offensive line is not going to do Fields or, or Montgomery any favors. And, and a young QB with a shitty offensive line is a recipe for disaster against Patrick Graham's defense. On top of that, Chicago still, ha- still has a bully of a defensive line between Hicks, Goldman, Nichols, Cleo Mack, uh, Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan, Robert Quinn. That front seven is a terror. But the Giants were able to manage that last year. You know, they didn't play poorly against that last year. And I feel like we play Chicago every fucking year, and it's never really this big 8, 9, 10-sack performance. You know, this year, they should be able to keep building on that. And if the Bears are mostly out of the hunt at this point, I'm thinking about some guys are sitting with minor injuries. They've gone to IR. They've elected for surgery instead of playing through injuries. Guys are sitting if they're out of it. And on top of that... Chicago is stuck with Jalen Johnson and Desmond Trufant playing corner instead of Fuller and Amukamara. So, sorry, but the Giants are going to be throwing for yards in this game. This is a win. I'm putting it in pencil only because I'm not really sure what Chicago's life is going to be like. But they have two impetuses for winning this game. It's a conference game and they're in the playoff hunt. And the other is you want to punish them and have a lower, lower draft pick that you get to acquire. So, fuck yeah. Or whatever, higher, I guess, however you want. Higher draft pick, yeah. Well, the one thing I will say is I can guarantee you they're not going to not take Chicago seriously. I mean, we have, you know, but the potential for making the playoffs, the potential for the draft pick, the potential to keep them in and going. There's no way they're overlooking anybody. I mean, this team isn't good enough yet and hasn't done anything yet to start overlooking anybody. And they are looking at games they know they can win and going to ensure they're going to try to win those games. So I'm not worried about overconfidence or overlooking someone or trap game or any of that stuff. I mean, you know, I guess, you know, you could be looking ahead the next week you're playing Washington, but again, this team isn't far enough along in their minds to be confident and cocky enough to be that good, to be like overlooking anybody. So I'm not worried about that. I, I think we're getting to the point of the season where you kind of know you are what you are. And I think the Giants are a pretty decent team at this point. And I think Chicago is going to be a very decent team. So I, that's why I'm sticking for this one as, as a win in pencil. I'm with you there. And then that brings us to our final week 18 game versus Washington at home Sunday, one o'clock. Greg, fan, how's this one going? This is for the division. Um, is this can they flex week eighteen? I don't know. That's an interesting question. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they they flexed um, they flexed week seventeen last year. 
That's right. That was the game. Yeah, that was a night game. It turned out. Mm-hmm. What a waste. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, I mean, these are the the two best teams in the division. I expect them to be neck and neck all year. Um, I'm glad it's home. <laughs> That's for sure. I'm glad we got the Washington game down there out of the way already. For important games like this, you always want to play at home. Um, have we had in the new stadium a winner go home game before? Like basically in 2011. A- yes. It was a winner go home. What was that? Yes, the the all in towels for week 17 against Dallas. Okay. Yep. So we've had one in a decade in this building. So well. Yep. That was the only time we went to the playoffs. So. Right. 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 So it's uh you know, it's not going to be the same. You know, it's not going to be a, a January crowd where people have just bought tickets on StubHub because the season ticket holders have given up. I mean, this is, you know, if we're playing for a playoff spot, you know, and if it stays at one o'clock, you're going to have all the, uh, you know, all the people who've been holding on to their tickets through, through a lot of lean years and bad times are going to this game. Um, how do I feel about it? <laughs> what do I have as Grump winning five in a row at this point? I think so. Yeah. Do I think this team is good enough to win six in a row down the stretch? No. Do I think they will? I think so. I'm going to put this as a win in pencil. I think we're going to go into the playoffs. We're going to win a division and we're going to be potentially the hottest team going into the playoffs. May not be the best team. You know, they may be some, this might be like kind of a 1990 vibe a bit where, you know, we were 13 and three, but we didn't really necessarily blow anybody out all year. We just kind of kept winning. And I think that's the way this, the tenor of this team is going to be. I mean, you know, with the offense, we think will be better than last year. I don't think it's going to be this juggernaut. I think the defense will keep the scores low. And uh, I think we just kind of keep winning. And before you know it, we've won six in a row and we're in the playoffs. I think that's how this is going to go. I'm going to put this in the lightest of pencils, a win against Washington. And we are NFC East division champs. And we put a banner up much to the chagrin and the embarrassment of the football grump. No, I, the banner they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll wear that banner as a cape. Um, <laughs> so, look, um, I don't disagree that Washington and the Giants are the best two teams in this division. I think Dallas is pretty close, but there's a lot of question marks there, and they're still mismanaged as far as I'm concerned. They could. The thing is, but, but the, Dallas has the, the highest ceiling, I think, of all of us. Yes, I agree with that. Um, they they could be the most explosive. I'll say that. Not necessarily the highest ceiling. They might score the most points, but their defense is still bad. They might still give up a lot of points. So, whatever. I, I get what you're saying, though. Uh, I think they could be the most explosive. Washington, I agree, as a full roster, when you look at it, might actually even be the best team. But quarterback is so important. And Ryan Fitzpatrick has never lasted all the way to the end of the season. He just doesn't. He gets benched. He takes over at some point in the year, and then everybody loves him, and then all of a sudden, all the old demons for Ryan Fitzpatrick come out, plays like shit, and either he finishes the season on a low note, or he just gets benched for somebody else. So I don't know. I, at this point, week 18, I'm not sure that Washington is as in the hunt as we think that they should be. So... 
I'm not saying I feel very confident about that. I'm just putting that possibility out there with some basis behind it. On the flip side, the exact same thing. So what I'm saying is, is there a chance that the Giants are not playing 100% for this game? Are people sitting for the playoffs in this game? Is that an actual possibility, you think? Is it possible? Sure. I mean, we're talking about, you know, two, three teams in this division that are, you know, we think they could make the playoffs, but we're not thinking any of them really are realistic Super Bowl contenders. So it's possible that one team underachieves and one team slightly overachieves and they have this division wrapped up by week 17 or possibly even week 16. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's very likely, but it, I'm 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 not super confident this is a win because I do see that as an actual possibility. And I there might be a chance. first of all, if you're resting people against Washington, they are a talented enough team. Well, they'll they'll win. All right, I mean, especially with Rivera's. But coach. that scenario, I'm almost putting in the same category as well. What if somebody's hurt? I mean, that's uh, you know, I we we did our predictions for the giants this year. We didn't do it for all the other teams in the division. So we, we have no way really of kind of, as we went through it, well, what's Washington at this point, you know, I, I think the odds are much, much higher that somebody not, we, we it's hard to predict who somebody's going to win this division in week closer, much, much more likely to win the division in week 18 than they will in week 15 or 16. Would you agree with that? Yes. The odds are much more likely. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not. I didn't factor that into my decision making, but I guess it's possible. Um, I mean, it also is possible that you know Washington already clinched it already, and they they're benching everybody, and we're fighting for a wild card spot, and maybe we were gifted a wild card, you know, possibility. I mean, there's all sorts of you know possible scenarios that could happen in the last week of the year. I mean, it's I think it's the one week of the year. You know, if you're a gambler, it's a weekend you don't. I would say week one and week 18 are games I wouldn't touch because it's just so random about things. Yeah, okay, that, that's fair. You know what, if the situation that Washington and New York are fighting for the division spot, or if the, if that's the possibility, I don't want to be in that situation. I don't want week 18 to be against Washington, and I don't want it to be for the division, like winner take all. Um, that sucks because that puts a lot of doubt in my mind about what we can and can't do, whatever. I'm okay with the situation where if Washington wins and then somebody else loses, they can sneak in a wild card. Uh, but I don't want to be in a win-and-in scenario against Washington. Any other team in this division, I'm okay with a win-and-in scenario. Even if it, even if, since it's a home game? It doesn't... It's because it's a home game, yes. That's why I'm okay with it, with with other teams. Washington, not so much. Um but if this is just a, you know, you know, whatever, uh, you want to just punish your, your division opponent, you're trying to get into the playoffs, stay on a hot streak, whatever, I think they can win. Um, but I feel very unsure about all the scenarios surrounding a, you know, a whole a, a stretch of division games at the very end, so much flip-flopping in there, um, and the position those teams are in on a straight Week 18 roster to roster matchup. This is a win in pencil. So that's what I'm going with. And that puts me on a four game winning streak and you on a, I think, a six game winning streak, which puts, I have them as 11 and six at the end of the year and heading to the playoffs. You have them as 12 and five, and I assume heading to the playoffs. Are you okay with that outcome if that's how it goes? Hey, you know something? 
every year there's one or two teams that come out of nowhere that people don't have a lot of regard for and they shock the world. And, you know, you look and it's conference championship weekend and you see the story of, you know, this time last year they were five and 10 and fired their coach or fired their GM and, or something. And before you know it, there they are. I think the pieces are in place that the Giants could be one of those three or four teams that could be the team that it is this year. You know, we, we, we know they have a nice core defense. We've seen the, uh, the weapons they, they've accumulated, you know, at wide receiver with Saquon Barkley back. You know, we, we're assuming the offensive line a year together will, you know, congeal more and work more together and, and be better. We think Daniel Jones will do, you know, enough that, uh, you know, it's possible. I mean, I, I, it would not shock me that they were that team that makes the jump to 12 and 5. Am I going to bet on it? No. Um, but I think it's possible. Um, one more thing I wanted to ask you about going back to the Week 18 matchup. What do you think Joe Judge is like as a coach? Do you see Joe Judge as the type that would call off the dogs in Week 18 if the game meant nothing, either resting or not showing anything? Or do you see him as a Tom Coughlin? Like, F it. We're playing to win. We're, we want to set a statement. We want to go into the playoffs on a, on a, on a roll. Where, where do you see I him? Know. I don't know because my, my instinct is to say he's a Tom Coughlin. I think he brought back Daniel Jones a week early last year from injury. You know, I, I think that he's a competitor, and I think, you know, whatever. If the player wants to go and the trainers are like, eh, it's up to him, he's going to be like, all right, you're going. You say you can go, let's go. Um, so I don't think he's sitting anybody that doesn't want to sit for this game, or for any game for that matter. Um, but on the flip side, I wonder if he maybe learned that he should dial that back because he is a, a one-year head coach, you know. Maybe he's trying to figure out his own limits there and, and sitting some guys in a game that doesn't matter or, or, or has no impetus on your or playoff. Or, or pulls guys in the second half. Let's say they have a 10. I, don't th- I do not think he's a pulls guy. I don't think he's a pulls guy. I, I could see him as a sits guy, though. Yeah. Um, a pulls guy maybe in the fourth quarter, you know, if, if the score's out of control. I don't think he's just pulling them to pull them. Or even if it's like if the game doesn't have any in, impact on anything and it's a you know seventeen ten game, what do you think? Mm. I mean, is it like okay, the win would be nice, but you know, I don't know. I I, I, I think I it just depends on the landscape of that game. It's hard because I know what I would do, and I'm trying to think of what he would do, and I I don't think he's a pull guy. I just don't think he's he's going to pull a guy out of a game that doesn't want to be out of the game. I could see him as being a, you know, Barkley's been, you know, dealing with some tightness. He's been playing through it, but, you know, we've already got this wrapped up. I'm not talking about that. Yeah, those those guys, yeah. That I can definitely see. But in the middle of the game, I I don't see it. And, I mean, there's, there's, I don't know, maybe if you're sitting some offensive linemen and you see the quarterbacks getting wrecked in this game, doesn't matter, then you pull Daniel Jones, obviously. But other than those kinds of scenarios, I don't see him as a pulling guy. Okay. I I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, you know, I kind of everything with Joe Judge until we learn what he does as his own man. I always go back to, well, what would Bill Belichick do? True. And, you know, 
I remember the perfect season. They they played that game to win, <laughs> right? Remember? Well, I mean that that's a perfect. I mean, uh, it, it, did was it Tony Dungy who blew a perfect season like by basically resting people? Weren't they like fourteen and zero or something? Yeah, and they were so, just right, like yeah. ah, the playoffs were important, not the perfect record, and and they lost the game because they didn't die. They might have benched Manning or something like that. It was they, they clearly weren't trying to win, and they made the decision that you know Super Bowl win is more important than being perfect. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that was Dungey, and I think they sat Manning. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean. I still think that's a different set of scenario. But I mean, hey, I, I wouldn't judge anybody who wants to get that perfect season, not just for themselves, but for every player on that team. This may be just, you know, winning the off season or whatever, but the mere fact we're talking about, should we bench guys in week 18, considering we're in the playoffs already is a far cry mm-hmm. from the conversations we were having June of 2020 when a, we didn't even know if there's going to be a season and B, we didn't have very high hopes for this team at all. Mm-hmm. So, even the fact we're kind of like, you know, hypothesizing about, you know, these scenarios, it makes the offseason more fun. And, and, you know, it it seems like it's been forever. This seems like a very, very long offseason to me. Do you also? Because you're excited. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm always excited about football starting. But, like, it just seems like, you know, I was listening to a podcast today talking about Gator football. And just they mentioned that bowl game, which I put out of my head in the second quarter was so bad, but it was like, damn, that was a long time ago. It's only been, you know, six months, but it seems like it seems extra long this year. And, uh, I'm ready for it to get back. I mean, I don't know about you, but we are what? Seven, eight, we're a little over two months to go. 10 weeks about, we're about to, 80, 81 days away. Yeah. We're about, uh, about 10 Sundays away from the, from the first, um, opening weekend and I, I just can't wait I mean I, again yeah this team is encouraging for the first time in a long time and there's a lot of questions that I, I don't think I don't think their questions are like oh my god is this it's more like I'm excited to see what how Barkley will come back if it's week one week three 80 percent 100 percent I'm excited to see you know progression with Daniel Jones I'm excited to see Kadarius Tony I'm excited to see the free agents we got is there's a lot of question marks and I'm excited to see what the outcomes are as opposed to, you know, sitting in a pile of poop that I'm not worried about these unexpected outcomes. Yeah. And I think also it's, um, it's not just that they had a good year last year or a better than expected year last year. It's that they, they, they got on a roll late and it feels like it ended too soon because the beginning of the season was such a wash, you know, starting with only a two win start, you know, over the course of, I think nine games or something like that. Um, it feels like the season ended early because they got on a roll late. And um... I think we felt like there was progression. That's what mm-hmm. made me excited. Like we saw a team in week 17 that was much better than a team in week one. And when you are rebuilding, that's your moral victory. That's your banner you put on the wall. It's I saw I saw a consistent improvement of a team. But, you know, this year the stakes are higher. That consistent improvement should be a given and not enough to make us giddy when we're talking in June of 2022. We want to see a little more this year. 
Not oh, saying 100%. not saying playoffs are bust, but I'm saying ten wins are bust. Mm, that would be. I I think I know what I picked on this little you know exercise, but again, this exercise doesn't factor in things like injuries, things like our teams not trying hard in December, things like that. I think if we're ten wins to me is a nice goal, but it's not bust if we are you know, nine and. Would that I, 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 was, I was being a jerk. Okay, well, that's... <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I really do... I think that 10 wins, if this team stays pretty healthy, I, I, I want to see 9-10 wins. It's an, achievable, right it's an achievable goal. Remember, 9 wins is 9-8. and eight. That's that's almost 500 now. Mm-hmm. Now that we've changed the, the, the formula here, so... I mean, but, that, but that's, also, that's also progress, too. Uh, yeah, it is, but it. I'd like to see more for the amount of money spent and, and, and et cetera. But regardless, we've done our predictions, and I've got them at 11 and 6. You've got them at 12 and 5. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I said and, that. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, and you gave detailed reasons for all 12, let me tell you. <laughs> so, um, oh, nobody, uh, Nobody retweet this back in uh, in January of 2022, and uh, oh, don't worry, we'll revisit all uh, of these when it's time for the season. We're doing in-depth uh, draft analysis on quarterbacks with the with the third pick in the draft. Please don't throw this back in my face. <laughs> oh, guys, please throw it in his face. <laughs> um, that's gonna do it for us. We're gonna have some more fun content going on the, the rest of the summer as there's nothing major going on and we're gonna cross our fingers that there is still nothing major going on all the way up until training camp when we can talk about things that we saw and, and, and things like that and you know joint practices with teams and preseason I almost said preschool. Um, <laughs> so up until then we're hoping for no funny business, just fun shows. So be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump for more fun shit. I'm at the Cranky Fan. This is a this is a big week. Uh, I will be at the Coliseum tomorrow night for the Lightning to close out this series with the Islanders. So anybody out there uh, who's going, I hope you lose. <laughs> unless you're a light <laughs> unless you're a Lightning fan, then go Bolts. <laughs> Um, we're talking obviously about that, talking about the Rays have just lost their 37th game in a row. Uh, so expect a nightly meltdown on that front and all the other things going on. So follow me on Twitter at the cranky fan. And as always, this podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google play or whatever. It's everywhere. Um, so be sure to follow it there. And um, give us a nice review, and more and more content will be available for you. So please give us that that real solid right there. Um, and uh, we will see you all next week. All right, everyone. Go, Go Giants. Giants.